Welcome to Coach's Corner with your host Ryan Watson nope, and John Thornton. <laughs> I'm just letting you know I'm going to hate it. you going to hate it? Yeah. All right, here we go now. Get behind that line. We're going to do it right. Do it right. Do it light. Let's go. Welcome back in. Um, just a quick note, Jonathan and I recorded tonight's, tonight's podcast uh, in person together, which is why you're going to hear me sound the same, and Jonathan's going to sound just a wee bit different on his, because he is calling in now from his house after he made the journey home. As soon as we ended the podcast, we were able to see the notes from, um, I think it was Adam Schefter, I believe, Jonathan, is that correct? That is correct. Okay, that Vaughn Miller is in danger, very serious danger, of missing the opening game versus the Titans due to what is explained, uh, without me looking any further into it, as a freak accident at the end of practice today. Of course, if we would have had this information beforehand, we would have covered it and, and discussed it a little bit, but since it did happen right after we got done recording, we at least wanted to add this little part to the podcast to explain that we are aware of the news. We do know that Von Miller, a key piece of the Denver Broncos defense is going to be missing the game due to this injury. However, Jonathan, my question for you is, is, is how much is this going to impact the Titans game planning that we've already laid out in the podcast as is? Obviously it's a big time uh, injury that's going to impact how the, the Broncos play defense, but overall the game plan, I mean, I don't think that's going to change too much for one, the timing of it with this going into Wednesday right now, they've already got their game plan in and they're already in install pretty heavily. So um, they may change up a few things, but I don't think you're going to see a ton of changes. I still think it's going to be pretty tight and heavy up to that right side to provide assistance to Dennis Kelly. And they're still going to run the ball. Um, obviously you may have some more longer developing pass plays that you move up on your play calling sheet. But overall, I don't, I think it will impact the game for sure, but I don't think it's going to impact how the Titans go in and attack them too much. Yeah. I was, I was going to say the same thing is that I don't think this is going to be a huge impact about how they're going about it or how they're going to game plan. Cause like you said, it's already in, but what it does do in this podcast tonight, we talked about giving defenses extra, giving offensive linemen, excuse me, extra things to think about on defense and prepare for. This is one thing possibly the tackles can go, and the running backs or whoever's going to be helping out with the edges can go, you know what? It's a big piece in their, in their pass rush game and that for that defense and other aspects that we don't necessarily have to worry about as much. Still, I want them to prepare as if he is there because I want that type of preparation every time, regardless of, the, um, of what's in front of you. However, there's a little bit of, I would say, um, relaxing mentality with it. So that's something to look forward to. But as far as game plan, I agree. I don't think that changes too much there, how they attack the Broncos. But it's just a key cog in that defense that they're not going to have, which puts them even more at a disadvantage. The one thing this might change is my score prediction, but I'm going to hold hold true, hold hold to it, and we're not going to change those that we give out at the end of the podcast. Jonathan, thank you for jumping back on with me. But that's going to do our update for the big news that we got literally two minutes after we had stopped recording. So I appreciate it, buddy. But I'll let you get back to enjoying your night. Thanks, Ryan. Right, see you. Welcome into another edition of Coach's Corner, Game Week Edition. I'm your host, Ryan Watson, joined as always by Jonathan Bourne. Brought to you by Broadway Sports Media. Make sure to go over to broadwaysportsmedia.com to find all our other great podcasts and articles. When you go to that site, make sure you sign up with code Clowntown for 30% off a premium membership for life. This deal will end at kickoff for the Thursday night Chiefs and Texans game on September 10th. So hurry up and grab that deal. This is a fantastic deal, and we created it in the excitement of the signing of Jadavian Clowney. 
a lot of excitement going on right now. I've seen the social media. I've seen everything going on out there. Everybody's pumped. This is a big one. I think you're even excited. I mean, it's Jadavian Clowney signing. The football season's finally here. The 17 years of 2020 seem like they're halfway over at the very least, and now we're here at football. And in your excitement, you've made a big purchase just in time for football season. I'm excited. Check out some of these games on, man. Yeah, it finally pulled the trigger on uh, the old 85-inch television. 85 inches. Yeah, so I'm excited to see. Of course, you know, the first one I got, get it home, unbox it, get it on the wall. You know, note to self, maybe test the TV before you go through the trouble of mounting it. Yes, I can confirm this would be a good test to go through to make sure that the TV will turn on and operate fully. Yeah, so we get it up on the wall, turn it on. Everything's going real smooth, about 20 minutes. And then just off and done. That's it. Not just off, but flickering. Oh, yeah. All right, it was trying. But long story short, ended up having to take it back. And let me tell you, I have been <laughs> plagued with the worst customer service you've ever heard of. So go to a store. We'll remain nameless. Uh, call them up, actually, and say, hey, this thing is messed up. I just bought it from you. Had to haul it home, which, by the way, hauling an 85-inch television is not something that you can fit into just any vehicle. Nope. Had to make some uh, some calls, get some help on that. And so, call the guy up, says, okay, well, yeah, we're going to need it back with the original packaging, and we'll replace it for you. Okay, that's a little annoying, but whatever. That's fine. I'll find a way to get it back up there. So, call same friend, Mr. Uh, Mr. Ryan here. <laughs> Come uh, load it up, get it back there. But they called me before we actually loaded up, and so I'm thinking, oh, they're going to try and make things right here. They call me with the very enticing offer of, for the low price of paying them $150, they will come out in the next three or four days and take the TV away and replace it. So I can pay them to come out and fix the problem that I shouldn't be having to deal with in the first place. Yep. Like it's one thing if you're gonna come to me and say, "Hey, we could, uh, we we're, we're we can't get out there today. It's gonna take a couple of days for me to for us to get a team out there, but we're gonna waive that cost for you for the trouble that you had to go through." That's a reasonable thing for me. I'm probably still not waiting, but at least that's a reasonable offer. But to ask me to pay you more money to come fix the problem of a product you sold me exactly that's insane to me. Like, what is wrong with people? I, someone said a while ago, the customer service really is a dying art. And I'm, I fully believe it just at least through living vicariously through you and your experiences you've had to go through in just the last three months, really. Yeah. Coaching point. Customer service should be basic. You want to, you want to do something uh, that <laughs> is going to be uh, really impactful, have basic customer service where you actually feel like you're trying to do a service to your customer, customer service. You'd think that'd be something very easy, but that's that's the great thing about Coach's Corner. We're going to bring you the, the coaching points of the game. We're going to bring you the coaching points of life. So hopefully your customer experiences get better. Hopefully yours are better out there in the listener's world. But that TV is glorious now that it's up for the second time and properly level, looks great, looks beautiful. Hopefully um, the likes of Derrick Henry, Jefferson Simmons, and Jadavion Clowney will fit on this bad boy because it is, it's a massive TV, but there's a massive player the Titans have that hopefully they can fit on there. And I'm telling you right now, size does seem to matter because it is a gorgeous picture and I can't wait to watch football games on it. 
I'm just letting that one lie. Please do. All right. So as we mentioned, a lot of excitement, the big news of the week. And I think if you've listened to any of our other, our other shows, when we're talking about uh, previewing the Titans defense and our caveat was always like, if they sign Clowney, if they get Clowney, then this, if the, in any of the other Broadway podcasts and, and have probably gone to this and they're probably taking their own spin on it into what this means for the Titans and how excited everyone is. We are no different. This is the biggest news probably in a free agent standpoint for the Titans in ever. Yeah. I think the F words guys talked about how this is probably the biggest free agent signing in Titans history. I would agree with that. If you're talking about just Titans, I mean, normally it's the, it's the ghost of Randy Moss coming in and things like that. They've had big names out there, but uh, for to get a guy that's still just 27 years old and as impactful as he is, I think because we're, we're about to talk about just truly how impactful he can be on a game, not just statistically, but how he impacts your entire defense and in turn the entire opponent's offense. So it's really exciting from a from a coaching standpoint. You, you know sure. how it is to have that kind of that that piece, and that's really what he is. It's a chess piece that you can line up all over. Yeah, it's a great way. That's a, that's a fantastic way to put that. He's not just a piece; he's a game changer, he's a game wrecker. Oh, absolutely! And so, whenever you uh, and trust me, you kind of talked about the promo that we have going on at BroadwaySportsMedia.com. I would put our uh, coverage of the Clowny signing uh, above anybody else out there. So it's definitely worth just uh, going over there to check it out. You get seven days free trial to go check out all of the different content. But there's tons of articles, tons of breakdowns about just how he's going to fit in and the kind of impact he can have. So when you look at what Clowney can really do, it's everybody can say, oh, well, he's an edge rusher, and he only had, what, like three and a half sacks last year? It's just such a stat, just looking at the only stats way of viewing him. Yeah, absolutely. And so when you have a guy like that, you can really impact a defense or an offense rather by being able to line him up in multiple places. And it's not even something that you have to declare right Whenever you come out of the huddle, sure. it's something you can move them around and you can kind of dictate those matchups. And our, our guy, Justin Graver, does a great job when he's talking about it and kind of showing video evidence about how they're able to move him around to dictate where you're going to get those matchups and where you can attack the offense right. in favorable positions. You pair that with what Vrabel and the Titans traditionally try to do. And you talk about manufactured pressure. Sometimes that's the game of, you know, twisting guys in and out, putting your ends going inside and slanting them, uh, that you can do that pre-snap where you can manufacture that pressure based on matchups, getting Jadavian Clowney matched up against a tight end. It's just a guy that you can put anywhere. You're not dictated because, look, yeah, you can slide like a Derek Roberson inside and slant him inside, and he's got some quickness to him. But the problem is when those big guards or whatnot get their hands on him, they're going to – they're they're going to win that matchup. There's just a size advantage there. So you are knowingly taking some disadvantage. If they run right at him, there's an issue there with guys like Roberson. Sure. With Clowney, you're not, I mean, you're not going to line him up at three technique every single play. But you can. You, you can you can line him up there pretty often, though, and you're mm-hmm. not making too much of a sacrifice. Exactly. So the ability to put him all over the place and then still play those games that you do with those manufactured pressure. He's the perfect piece for what the Titans like to do. He, there isn't a position in the front seven that he can't play. Now, obviously you're not going to play him at, you know, a uh, middle, middle linebacker a ton, but I wouldn't be surprised if he's there a couple of times. We call it a hybrid middle linebacker if you're going to put him there, but I see what you're saying because you could literally line up and say, choose your A gap. Yeah. So you look at somebody that you look at what they can do with Rashawn Evans, who is your traditional middle linebacker, but has experience coming off the edge and rushing the mm-hmm. passer. Well, okay, now you can you don't really know 
when you look at how the Titans line up, who's doing what, because they all can do certain things well. Yep. And so it gives them just another piece to really attack those offenses, and it makes them unpredictable. And trust me, when you don't know what's coming at you, the, it takes the physical element at it, out of it and makes a mental element a whole different level. 110%. And let me kind of pick up on where you're leaving off there because I, that's that's a great point to make that as an offensive lineman, when you're prepping for your game, you look into your opponents and you may have one or two guys. Okay, let's take a tackle, for example. You may look at your tag and you're like, you know who my edge guys are. I'm, I'm going to prepare for the speed rushes. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to prepare for who's a bull rush and I know what my percentages are, what they're going to give me. You can mentally prepare for all this, but then as an offensive line, you can you can take that on down guard center and kind of know where my blitzers are coming from, know what kind of nose tackle I'm going to see, and good luck with that, by the way, uh, <laughs> with this team. Good luck with with matching up across the board as it is. But you add someone like Clowney in there where now it's like pre-snap, he may not – I'm walking up to the line, I don't see him. They've shifted. Now he's outside of me. I'm not prepared for this. You're adding you, – you're adding another element into their thinking, into their their. You're giving them something else to to not. I wouldn't don't want to say worry about because I don't think an offensive lineman is going to be uh, admit that he's worried about anyone. They you know there's a little bit of bravado there, but they are, they 100 are, and you have a guy as you stated that you can line up in multiple formations. I mean people are so enamored with Derrick Henry. Why? Because he's a big running back who looks like he should just be a power guy, but he can outrun everybody on the field on a given night. Or at least he, he he gives himself a chance to outrun the angles for sure. So you have someone who's physically gifted, size wise and athletically, that can do multiple things. And if you like to listen to, we, we talk about coach speak. Let's talk about the trainer speak now. That David Clown has worked hard enough that he has more bend. Because that was my only knock on him is he's not your typical bendy guy, but that's okay because of what he disrupts and what he can bring and how athletically gifted he is and how quickly he seems to be able to recognize things because that's the other thing that the people don't talk about enough he reads offenses really well and can come off and make plays that normal people wouldn't be able to make with being able to and like you said graver does a good job of going into his moves and how he defeats offensive linemen he can do that at every position so it gives you a tactical advantage that not only affects him where he's going to but now you can take like you said Rashawn Evans move him out and let him rush once off the edge you can take it and and line him up in the middle have your two speed guys on the outside and just go and let him create pressure from that inside up to push the quarterback back right into those speed guys whose tackles are probably just running them outside of the play. And you can kind of dictate what an offense is going to do to you and 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 take things away. And he's a magnificent piece to do this. So he may he may not end up with 15 sacks. He may not get 10 sacks. But here's the thing. If he keeps doing the tackles for loss that he's been doing over the past four years, if he keeps disrupting the offensive line like he's been doing the past four years, it's a great signing, and he's going to be a great piece for this Titans defense. Yeah, and I mean, it, you, you talked about moving some of these guys around and when, when a guy shifts on you once you've already got your protection set, and NFL linemen are, are great at making those shifts. I mean, obviously, they're the best of the best, but typically when you have somebody like a Jarrell Casey, and, you know, if, if he shifts outside as kind of an edge rusher, he's, he's a good enough athlete. He can do some of that. But as an offensive tackle, you're not as you're, worried. You're not worried about Jarrell Casey bending the edge sure. a, like you are somebody like a clowny. Vice versa. If you we talked about Roberson, if he shifts inside, OK, cool. I have to be worried about speed, but he's not going to get me with a bull rush. You put somebody like clowny. Oh, he shifts inside. OK, well, I still got to be prepared for everything. He shifts outside from that 
from maybe goes from a five tech to a wide nine. It goes from uh, the the five tech inside to a three tech. Yep. You still have to be prepared for a bull rush. Any he's great with his hands. So having that versatility keeps that offense guessing. And you saw what they can do when they can truly get a quarterback thinking in that Ravens game that they won in the playoffs. They played games with Lamar Jackson. Having chess pieces and having players that you can move around and keep the quarterback guessing is key. And that is where he fits in is that it's just yet another piece. You look at the Jeffrey Simmons who can play anywhere on the front. He is a he is a versatile guy. He's not as versatile as Clowney. You're not going to put him at but, middle but linebacker. But your point is is that even though he's listed as a defensive end, that that you line that dude up and nose, and he can be he can be an effective nose for you too. Absolutely. So you got Evans, Clowney, you got Simmons, Landry. Pressure's getting taken off of him. Mm-hmm. He, he's not he's not what Clowney is, but he can be that pure edge rusher. Vic Beasley, if Vic Beasley is your third guy, which he is now. Mm-hmm. That's a dude that is positioned to just eat. And he knows situationally when he can come in. And like I said, you can put his speed and Landry's speed on the outside and move that and then still keep Clowney in the game. That's the thing. You don't have to take Clowney off. He's not He's not one of those ends or edge guys that, you, that that's an every down. You see that so many times with teams where they've got to take someone who is a quote-unquote run stopper. Because let's be honest. Clowney can disrupt the run game. That's probably one of my favorite things about him. I'm not saying that's his best because I think he's I think he's equally good at everything. But you don't have to take him off the field. But you can add to the field and take someone else off, maybe in the third and long, and just tell Beasley, "Hey, you ain't got to worry about nothing. You go get that quarterback." Well, and you look at it's not just in the front seven. That's their entire defense at right. this point. Bayard can play free safety, strong safety. He can play matchups and man to man. He, you can do the same with Vaccaro. He's not afraid to come downhill. He's he's a little bit more of a true strong safety. But they played him a lot at free last year too. Your corners seem to be able. All of them seem to be able to play in or out. Exactly. We talk about who's going to play the nickel. The reason doesn't matter. Well, well, it does matter. But yeah, but you have options. Yeah, that's the thing. You sit there. The reason that's a topic is because they're all versatile enough to Heck play yeah. in those positions. Even, even the rookie Fulton seems to have that versatility. Uh, now you've given your statements on where you hope they play him to get in some experience, but at the same time you have those options. Whereas, and let's 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 bring this up. I mean, we're kind of getting off balance here, but again, the worry for Titans in the past was not only pass rush, but then what happens if you have an injury in the secondary? I'm not as worried about that this year. Yes, everybody's got. I think everybody in the NFL it would be lying if they say they're not worried about their depth. That's just how it is. Your number twos are not as good as your number ones for a reason. That's the way it is. But before. It was almost like a death sentence to that secondary if you had to go to something else. But I think with the versatility they have now, I'm not as worried about it because I think people can step up and fill in and they can move pieces around if they need to, depending on what team they're playing. So you take that kind of feeling that you now have your secondary. And, oh, by the way, we now have added a piece to the front seven that maybe you don't have to cover for five-plus seconds that you can only have to cover through the the intermediate part of the route or maybe just the the, the starting stems. The corners are going to get excited about that. They know that there's going to be some some rush throws, that they're just on their A game. They don't have to spread this out 10 seconds like you saw in sometimes in the Chiefs game. I may be exaggerating just a tad, but you get my point, right? So this is a signing that, that not only can push out and elevate and take pressure off guys in that front seven, it now elevates and takes pressure off your secondary. You're now a more complete team. This was a good defense that is now great, and that's good for the Titans. Yeah, and so I would say, you know, it always comes down, are you, are you getting better? And I think as I finalized kind of what our uh, predictions are going to be for the entire season, more to come on that. You'll see an article out here in the next couple of days. You kind of look, were they 
closer to beating the Chiefs than they were when they lost at the end of the year in the AFC Championship game. Pre-Clowney, I look at, okay, let's look at their their front five in this 3-4 when uh, you didn't have Clowney in that piece. So you got Vic Beasley, you've got Simmons, you got Daquan Jones, got probably a... a Somebody like a Laurel Murchison, somebody coming in to play that other five technique in this three four, and then you got Landry on the other side. I don't know if that's drastically better than what they lost with. Add Clowney to that piece, and this is the first time this season I can truly say that, or this off season that I can truly say I do think that assuming they're healthy, I mean assuming they're healthy and they're playing at full strength, because I think I, I've talked about that's how you beat the Chiefs. You're not going to stop them, but you have to be able to get pressure without having to blitz six, seven guys to get there because they'll torture each and every time. Right. Now they have the guys that they can play games without committing a ton to that pass rush. And so you add that, you replace Logan Ryan with a Christian Fulton. I don't like banking on rookies, but there's less pressure to do so at this point. Right, and that was my that's my point I was getting at, is that before this, that was my big hole. That was my big worry, was that you're putting a lot of pressure on the rookie to perform, especially early, and especially against, well, a little preview to what we're covering next, the Denver skill group. If he's covering one of their three big fast receivers, not big, sorry, they're, but they're fast. Um, now that pressure is not there to your point. And my feelings on the defense was your, your question. Cause we, I think we, you asked me this directly on this podcast was, did they get good or did they do enough to beat the chiefs? That's a loaded question because I don't think they did enough to beat the chiefs, but I think they got incremental, like incrementally better. They got a little better here. Now they got a ton better. And that's where I'm the, and I, I think I agreed with you. Son Clowney fixes a lot of things. And I, I don't want to hear the whole, his injury. He played, he's played in no less than 13 games his entire career every season. I'll take that plus more out of him. And he's been effective every time he's been in and he's learned how to play with injuries. I think Justin Graver also pointed that out uh, recently as well is the dude is a pro and he's back with a coach who's familiar with and who's familiar with him. So this is all pointing to good things for Clowney for the Titans. And I'm expecting a big year that it's kind of hard not to be excited about. Yeah. And I mean, obviously in most places, whenever he's with the Texans, you had JJ Watt there, but then you always argue. Did you though? I mean, yeah, we can talk about injuries and whatnot, but you talk about at, at best he was the second best player on that on that defense. Sure, if all healthy and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so in Seattle, he probably had to be the best on that defense at the time. Now you look at the Titans; he may end up being the best, but then you still have Kevin Byard. You're what all the reports are of what Jeffrey Simmons is going to be and East. what you saw. There's less pressure on Clowney as well. Mm-hmm. to be that stud of a team. Sure, that's a great point, yeah. And so whenever you look at how they're lining up, it, it, there's less pressure all around, and it creates that cohesive unit that I really think the Titans' defense... Now, this is all caveated with my known concerns about the play calling and how involved and who's really in charge there. I'm sure they'll have that worked out, but that's another unknown. You have Christian Fulton, and you got the play calling. Those are the biggest two real unknowns that going into sure. it on defense. If those check boxes right there, this is looking to be a super stout defense. Even if it checks most of the boxes, and what I mean by that is that it's, it, even if they find some consistency to the play calling and that Fulton can find at some point some consistency. Because here's the thing, and I want fans to get this through your head. He's going to struggle. It happens. Adoree Jackson struggled. He's turned into a really good corner. 
despite what I've seen out there in social media, that dude is a good corner. He's a good cover man in, in the NFL. He may not have all the stats you're wanting and all the interceptions return for touchdowns or kickoffs return for touchdowns that you're expecting coming out of USC, but he's a productive NFL corner. And Fulton will have his struggles, but he's going to be. I think he's going to be fine when it comes in. This is something that takes pressure off of everyone. I love how you put that, that it puts pressure off of Clowney as well, and that's a good thing. So, real quick before we move on to the week one opponent, the Denver Broncos, what is your overall prediction for Clowney stats-wise, or do you feel comfortable giving one? Oh, man, I'm going to guess he probably ends up with eight sacks, but has a much more drastic impact. And eight sacks isn't terrible. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not, but he's not going to be one of the Boses. He's not going to be Khalil Mack. That's just not the player he is. Um, But he can still be as impactful as those guys. So I think he probably ends up with eight sacks. He'll be in the near the top of the league and tackles for loss. Um, but I do think he'll free up that you're going to see some bigger numbers from a lot of the other guys. That's what I, that's my prediction is that he may get, I'm thinking eight and a half sacks, something like that. But I think he's going to have probably three, four fumbles. Did you just prices right me. Yes, I did. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I'll take uh, eight and a half sacks. Okay, would you like for me to go seven and a half? Oh, the (laughs) real total was nine. You do all your dancing on your way to the stage. Yes, but that's like that's that'd be some good dancing too. I'd 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 love prices. Anyway, um, but to your point, I think that now you're going to see double digit sacks from Landry. You're going to see probably close to I'd say probably nine to ten sacks for Beasley as well given the situation and given where he can rush. And you're going to see uptick in, in the interior guys as well because what he's going to do, where, wherever they're getting pushed from, now people are going to get more chances. It's just going to open things up. Where now maybe that loss of Logan Ryan can be a little bit stymied. You're not looking to get his sack and his pressures off the edge that he was so good at last year. Maybe those – not maybe. This can come from other places now. And Phil and Clowney will help that. Even if he's not the one producing it, the attention given to him will help everyone else out. So that's my prediction is that everyone else's stats around him will be elevated. And if he, he may not lead the, the team in sacks, but understand his presence is a main contributor to the uptick in stats for the players around him. I also want to say that the this finalist saga finally, finally coming to an end has truly given me hope that we'll actually beat COVID because this clowny thing has been around longer than COVID. And think about how long, well, as long as, long as it's been, you know, it's been as long as pandemic. Yeah. This yeah. was since we got super bad. I mean, we, yeah. we had, it's been around, COVID was in China longer than that. But I get your point. You you're, got you're, my point. Yeah. Uh, and so it, I'm just so glad it's over. Good Lord. And real quick before we move on, and I agree with you, I'm glad this is over, but kudos to John Robinson. Kumos, kudos, kudos, kudos to the ownership, to everyone involved in this, social media for the Titans, everything, getting this in, getting this done, and, and landing a big fish. And this is an exciting time to be a Titans fan, not just because of the Clowney signing, but it shows they recognize, hey, it's no longer building. This is no longer a building period. This is the cheap moniker can get kicked right out the door because they have signed their own people. They've put money into Lawan, Byard, to Henry, Tannehill. They are putting money out, but they're also money in to being bringing people in. Now, it's going to be interesting to see what they do past this, but let's focus on 2020 for right now. But I just want to say kudos to those in charge, getting this done. Amy Adams Drunk, this is a great time. And I'm very happy that we're here for it and doing the show. But like I said, we are going to focus on 2020. And that brings us to week one, the Denver Broncos. Real quick, overall thoughts of this game, 
what the Titans are looking for, what they're in for for a game, first game of the season of an interesting altered preseason coming into it. Yeah, I think anytime you travel to Denver, and if you look at the statistics, they're very, very good in the first month of the season. I think that altitude really plays a part. I would be a little concerned with um, no, having no preseason games and your first game being in that altitude. Now, Denver also hasn't had any games. Uh, they've been practicing in the altitude, but I do think it could have an impact on the Titans. Um, it's something that they're, you know, if, if it's one or two games here or there, but I think that they are like seven and two or something like that um, on Monday night in, in September. And so that it, there's too much evidence there for it not to prove that that is a, something that impacts away teams. Add in that it's a late game. And there are a lot of factors playing against the Titans. That said, I think the Titans are uniquely set up to still go in there and, and be victorious. And I think how you, we always talk about how the run games tra- run game travels. So uh, you can talk about that a little bit more about why, but essentially the Titans are a run based team. You have a defense and offense, which is coming back relatively consistent going against a team in the Broncos who have added a lot of pieces. They've put, they've added your, your Jerry Judy, your KJ Hamler. You, you have these pieces there that they are adding to a Cortland Sutton, a Noah Fant and adding Melvin Gordon to that run game. But that's a lot to go into their first game to try and come together as a unit. And again, you're talking about a team that wants to build around drew Locke and that passing game. He hasn't, he's been in the league for one season. He's got a new play caller, there's a ton of change on the Broncos that the Titans don't really have to deal with right there. So while there are environmental factors that are going to affect the Titans, the Titans are really set up to travel there as well as anybody could be. Right. And so I, I'm still fairly confident that the Titans can go in there and handle business, but I think it's going to be closer than if this was like at a neutral site game. So a couple of things, and, and, and that's, those are great points about the neutral side as well. But, it, again, there's a, there were some rumors going on – or not rumors, sorry. It's no limited fans or no fans is going to affect some of those. I think the the, the, the betters are still taking home crowds into account. Now, whether how you think they really affect the game, they do and they can affect the game. Because not only can they affect the opposite team, the opposition coming in, but they also give a boost – to a to home team. So that's going to be something interesting to monitor as the season goes along. But what I'll say this, uh, just a real quick story from my past, is that you think that little little elemental things don't matter to teams. Let me tell you about one year, uh, my junior year, I can't remember if it was my junior or senior year playing, we had a team coming down to Tennessee from Wisconsin in the first game of the year, and it was going to be 98 degrees at kickoff. Well, when a visiting team comes in in college, they usually are running, are wearing, and in football, they wear what color jersey, typically? The road whites. Well, the home team can also dictate the color jersey. So, we just we notified them that they were a, a black and purple team. So, instead of getting to wear their white with black and purple trim, we chose to wear our icy whites head to toe and make them wear their dark black and purple jerseys in the 98 degree weather coming from Wisconsin and it could re- it really affected their team. So that's the one thing to watch for what Jonathan was saying there about going into that climate, especially with not having the preseason to condition yourself. That's just one thing to watch for and go. But you mentioned along that those gamesmanship and everything else aside, 
you mentioned that the run game does travel. And just to go into that a little more, and 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 this was a great point that you made up pre that you brought up, not made up, sorry, brought up pre pre show is that run game's typically the easier thing to execute and go forward. It, not saying that you can't stun against it and disrupt, especially that that early, but it's early for the defense too. They they haven't had the preseason games to work on some of this, the to get used to some of the vanilla. And the one thing the Titans have done well even in bad times, seems to be the run game. And especially with what they're building from left to right of importance, but when you've got Taylor LeJuan, Roger Saffold, Ben Jones, anchoring that left side, that's a very powerful run game side. There's less to think about. It's just come off the ball. I don't want to say less. I, I, I'm, I'm underselling what a defense could do to you in a run game. But – in the past game, you don't have to worry about the stunts and everything like that. It's a little more complicated. There's there's coverages you've got to read. A lot more can go wrong. You've got a lot more moving parts. Run game, for the most part, is hand the ball, hit the hole, make your assignments. Come off the ball, blow them back, run for touchdowns. Yeah, and then add in that, generally speaking, they've been running these plays since they were in in grade school right. kind of thing. Like it, obviously it's more complicated. There's more window dressing in the NFL. They're bigger, stronger, faster in the NFL, but the plays themselves, mm-hmm. they've been running them. So sure. there's just a ton of consistency there with the run game. Yep. Also, you brought up the, uh, the whole uniforms and weather and everything. As of this recording, we are looking at, a balmy 85 degree high <laughs> come Monday, uh, no precipitation. So I don't, I think the altitude will be in effect, but I don't think you have to deal with any of the Denver weather. Although oh. they are getting snow today. That's crazy. That's crazy. Well, my only point about the the weather, what I brought up is because the only thing I can compare to maybe what would make a difference to the altitude was the someone coming from up North to play in 98 degree Southern heat. Good luck with that. <laughs> yeah, and so to tie back to talking about what we talked about previously and kind of the versatility that the Titans are going to bring on defense and you, you go into this game and having most of those pieces back as being consistent. You have Christian Fulton who will be new to that defense and then you say you got Jadavian Clowney new to that defense. Well, Jadavian Clowney knows the defense. He, right. He's coached with Vrabel or he's played with Vrabel as a coach. Um, so then you have Vic Beasley that'll be added to that. So you got two pieces really that you're really adding to a new defense here. Um, that that is pretty consistent going in against a young quarterback learning his first game against uh, with with Shermer calling plays there. And so the Titans are positioned to go in there, and the Titans are not a fun team to play for a young quarterback because of the mind games that they play. They are not a line up and play kind of defense. You know, you look at Minnesota and what Mike Zimmer does, he doesn't, he obviously no defense is just bl- uh, in the NFL is bland vanilla, but relative, they're a pretty straightforward and play kind of defense. They're, they're going to do what they do. Uh, the Titans are not that defense. So to have no preseason film to look at, to have no preseason to prepare for, to get your offense gelling from the Denver perspective, the Titans, I really think they're going to go in there and make it really tough on that Denver offense. And that's what you're looking to do. You're looking to force this onto the second-year man, Drew Locke, and, and, and who may be adjusting to new play calling, new pieces around him. Even though they're, they're nice, shiny pieces, it's still new pieces around him in the run game. And they're going to split the run game, uh, it appears, from all reports. And the, the receivers are nice, but you still have to have that that timing and get used to it. And they're going to mess with him, like you said, and that's a great point. And, and it'll be interesting to see how he, he attacks that or how he deals with that, I should say. 
because that's going to tell you a lot about the game. And that's and, and before we get into the keys to victory here, that's that's what I'm looking for in this game. That's my overall thoughts: is that can the Titans bring enough pressure? But can they stay? And I, I, you hit on this: the consistency throughout the defense, the players, but the consistency on offense. Because again. You're starting. You're bringing back four starters, but it's not like your right tackle hasn't been in the system and doesn't at least know the plays. So there's consistency, consistency across that front, across your skill players. This screams for the team who has the most consistent pieces to perform better, and that's the Titans. Well, and then you look at the receivers. You talk about typically rookie receivers; they take a while to make an impact because sure. there's such a nuanced game in the NFL that you have to learn. This is going to be their first time on an NFL field going against a complicated defense. And I, I, I apologize; I haven't watched a ton of Shermer to understand how much, how many option routes and option routes are kind of a dying breed in the NFL as we get into more of these spread concepts. But they still exist. So you have two heavy-based uh, rookie wide receivers that are going into that game. There's a ton of learning curve that you would hope to in a normal season be uh, on the front end of that learning curve where you're at the very beginning of the learning curve for them. So going into that, I I just really think that the Broncos offense, you know, it has a lot of potential, but there's a lot of potential and potential is a dangerous word when it comes to playing games. Because, yes, by the end of the season, that offense may be gelling, but I think you're taking you're getting the Broncos at the right time to really attack that. Yeah, you said that you've said in the past about it's all about when you catch a team. And I'm not I'm not saying that the Titans couldn't beat them at any week throughout the season, but they're definitely catching a young team with new pieces with a new a new play caller early. That's that's got to be to their advantage when you're looking at those things, especially when the the receivers look at look at AJ Brown. Was he more impactful at the beginning of the season or at the end? Now, argue with me or or I will agree with you that the quarterback change had a lot to do with that, but he still picked up and was and was more active in the passing game towards the end of the season than he was in the beginning. At least it seemed that way. So there's there's that chance where they're learning more plays. They're they're given more of a leash typically as a rookie receiver. Now AJ Brown, even both those your your crop of receivers last year were not your typical, and I don't look for that the crop of receivers this year to to produce like they did. It's easy to fall into that trap. But that what they did last year with the AJ Browns, Terry McLaurin, it was abnormal. That's not that's not your typical rookie receiver trend. And I would as a fantasy football player, I would love it because I drafted some of those guys, but you draft them, especially in a dynasty league, hopefully I'm getting off topic here. But my point is is that don't don't expect those those young guys for Denver and the new pieces to automatically click right away, especially with no preseason games. But we keep hammering that, but it's such an important part. It, Bears repeating over and over again. Well, and as we kind of shift to the other side of the ball and how the Titans could attack that defense, I think you you kind of hit on one of those, that main matchup I want to focus on, which is we know who's going to be starting at right tackle for several reasons. It's going to be Dennis Kelly. And so does that, I don't think that really changes too much as far as how you're going to attack it. I think him knowing the playbook with no preseason, him being in this same offense gives him a huge advantage to go in there. I think it, if it was Isaiah Wilson, I think you'd see some a, a lot of tight end help, kind of like what you saw with uh, Jack Conklin in his, in his first season. I don't think that changes a ton going into this. I think the, the game plan was always going to be that they're going to provide a lot of tight end help to that right side. Uh, you still have Nate Davis, who is who's going to be a who's a younger guy still. It's only his second season. Dennis Kelly knows it, but I mean, you're you're going to provide that assistance against the Von Millers, uh, the Bradley Chubbs. I mean, they're going to be rotating those guys in. They have a formidable pass rush on paper as well. 
Um, so I think that there's rumors that Chubb is going to be on kind of a, a pitch count, and you talk about that altitude mm-hmm. as well. So that helps the Titans. But again, I don't think the the naming of Dennis Kelly as the starter there on the right side really impacts their game plan at all, except that you, you know you're going to have your full playbook there, and you just know that you're going to have to provide that tight end support. So I don't know if it'll be a huge game from Jonu Smith, or uh, it may be him, but you, you're going to see more of the Michael Pruitt in there to help in that blocking game. Um, so I think it'll be interesting to see how they really attack it, but I don't think the right tackle situation really impacts how you would have gone into this game at all. I think you're going to attack it the same way, no matter who was in there. And if you remember, that was my big question coming into the season, what that right tackle uh, situation going to look at. I'm fine with it. Now, now, is Dennis Kelly my preferred right tackle in the NFL? Probably not, but he's what the Titans have, and I'm comfortable with him because he has been there. It's not like you asked someone. It's not like Dennis Kelly's coming in as a free agent this year to try to take over that spot. He's been here. He knows the system. He knows the players around him. He did get to play at tackle last year in in uh, relief of Taylor Lewan at the beginning of the season as a starter. So, And the one thing I, that I hate this takes away is Dennis Kelly is a receiver. <laughs> I mean, you got you got Sembrillo, Sembrillo, yeah, I mean, you got him. They really could open it up sure. and, and go with all these receivers. You got Lawan that's caught touchdown passes. Yep. I think Questenberry is around still. I mean, really, they could just open it up and go nothing but offensive linemen out there, and that would be truly <laughs> exciting. There's your true exotic. There's your there's yeah. your there's your um, big boy exotic. I yeah, guess I'm exactly. not sure. But the we'll have to work on a coin for that. Heavy but, heavy formation. Very. Very heavy formation. Yeah. But the keys to the to the victory for me on, on for the Titans is like we've already said, and, and we're going to hammer this home, is establish that run and that consistency in the run game. And if you get Derrick Henry going, then this is going to be a long day for the Denver Broncos. Now, if you can't get Derrick Henry going, it's going to be a little longer day for the Titans. I still think they can pull through because I, th- I don't think Tannehill is a one-hit wonder. May come down to earth a little bit, but you're going to see him – still be effective and still be very consistent in that offense. And, and that consistency is going to be key as we've stated multiple times, but balanced, a balanced passing attack is not a bad thing here. What I mean by that is that not just feeding, feeding, feeding AJ Brown, but spreading that ball around. If Corey Davis is open, getting him the ball, looking to utilize not just John U. Smith, but the other tight ends, Michael Pruitt in the passing game, Khalif Raymond. If he, if he continues the route running that I saw in camp to be able to utilize him in creative ways, not just in deep shots, but short yardage and conversion plays. So those are the things that I'm looking forward to see. If Arthur Smith, again, we haven't mentioned him at all. As a coach, Arthur Smith taking that next step with this offense and being able to not be vanilla, be able to sprinkle in a little bit of the creativity that you saw throughout the year and him getting comfortable and him having the same players to work for bodes well for him as well. Yeah, and so I mean, I again, I think the consistency really sets them up for success in, in how they can attack the Broncos. The Broncos are going to be pretty consistent on defense. I mean, yeah, you lost Chris Harris, but uh, he's a shell. He was a shell of himself as well. Um, and so I think that they they've got a great safety there in Simmons. Um, but I think they're going to be in a position to go in and do what they said. They're going to ground ground and pound it. That's what they've been. That's what they've been about. That's what they're going to be about. And so their ability to travel there, let's don't overcomplicate it. Mm-hmm. If you can score early, again, it, it's all one cohesive unit as a team. So can you get that early lead and start putting pressure on Drew Locke and that, those new pieces on their offense to go in there and uh, try and play catch up? Let Denver make the mistakes. Oh, yeah. Don't, don't play into their hands. Don't. I think that's a good way to put it. Even though I just said 
creativity in Arthur Smith. I don't mean him changing the world or going five wide or doing anything crazy like that. I just mean for him to, to use certain players in moments to, to gain an advantage. And he seemed to, to really pick those spots and do that well last year. Well, and you'd love to see that early in the game too. Sure. Is like it, because you want to put that pressure on and you know that that altitude could affect some late game stuff uh, because of your uh, conditioning in that altitude. And so can you manufacture some scores early on in the game before that really impacts you too much? And then you're kind of playing with house money. So I think they are positioned to go in there. If I had to make a prediction, I think it'll, I think it'll be probably closer than you'd like. I'll ask for your score prediction in just a little bit. Oh, tease, tease, <laughs> shutting me down. So I because I think I, I agree with you. And actually, so you don't accuse me of stealing or prices right. And yeah, I want to go first on that. That's real. That's all, the real reason why I wanted to stop you there for a second. But just and one thing I want to see: try out your new kicker, your new shiny kicker. Well, new seems weird, but new to you. Yeah, your new 36-year-old kicker. Your new 36-year-old kicker. But my point is, is where, where, where's a better place to let him, besides maybe a dome somewhere, where's, where's a better place to let him get his leg under him and, and go for something and maybe, maybe push a career best or go for, for see how he's feeling. And I, and I hope, I'm not saying that I want Titans to kick only field goals, but in situation at some point early in the game, if you're thinking it's fourth and two, maybe we should just go for it. I know that's my, my preferred is always go for it. Put put the pedal down and put your 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 foot on their throat and really stick it to them. But at the same time, you signed him. Kicking has been an issue. Let's give him chances early to prove it. We're better than in the altitude of Denver, of Mile High Stadium, to get this done. So hopefully, they look to do that uh, on the defensive side of the ball. Just real quick, we've touched on a lot, but just I really hope that that on defensively you can limit the run game. I'm not going to say just limit Melvin Gordon because I think you have to look at the two headed two headed attack that they're going to deploy between Melvin Gordon and Philip Lindsay, as you just stated earlier. And we've said it a few times, but put the game on Drew Locke. Make him beat you. Make pick him out as he's the one that has to beat you. Don't let don't let Melvin Gordon beat you. Don't let Philip Lindsay beat you. Make sure it's Drew Locke that's having to beat you and make sure you put the pressure on him. So when do I get to say my prediction? Right now, baby. Well, hold on. Let me go first. So I agree with you. I think it's going to be closer than we've let on because there's a lot of excitement in our voices. There's a lot of excitement around the Titans. But I think it's going to be closer than what people that I've seen on social media that we're, they're just going to the Titans are going to kill Denver and all this. I don't think that's going to be the case because I think that again, Denver's going to have to be adjusting to the first game in no preseason. Titans are as well. There's going to be some snafus. There's going to be some blown assignments, and there's going to be some three and outs. I think that this is going to be a I'm going to say 24 to 20 game for the Titans. I think that it will be something that the the Titans go in there. They they should be the more mature team. They should be the team that's more sure. prepared. They were in the AFC Championship should. game. You should. talk about good to great. This you, last year, you can make the argument they didn't go good to great. This year, you should start to see that they are one of the top premier teams. They've talked about it. They're making uh, you know signing Clowney to a one year deal is saying you're ready to win this year. If that's the case, Denver's a team that you should win against should yep so i think they go in there. should a lot there <laughs> no uh, yeah no they should i think they go in there though and unlike normal where they tend to make things more difficult than they should i think they actually go in there and handle their business i think it'll be close early on and i actually do think that the titans will pull away as they get closer uh, i think the pressure will kind of you'll start to see some of that immaturity on the broncos offense and getting things established they're going to try and, and 
you know, run through Melvin Gordon and Philip Lindsay, I would imagine in this game. But I think the Titans are positioned to stop the run. You saw that against the Ravens. Their defense is set up to sure. stop the run. I That's agree with what that. they do. Um, and I don't think that the Denver's offense is ready to pass the ball around a ton. So I think you do that. I think if I had to give a prediction, I actually think it's not going to be too close. I think it's going to be something in the 28 to 31 points. I think that the Titans will be able to score some points. Uh, 31-17 Titans. Okay. So we're, 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 we're not too far off in our prediction. I'm just predicting a little closer game than you are. Uh, if my honest feeling is, is I'd love to say that they'd score 50 and, and Denver's going to score seven. That's just, I don't, that's just, it's not going to how it's going to happen. Too many things, too many factors. There may be a Titans turnover that leads to a touchdown. And let me say my 24 to 20, I think that the Broncos score a late touchdown to make it that close. So go from like 24 to 13 in the final five minutes, Broncos score to get the Titans and they run the ball out. So the game looks like it's close at 24 to 20, but it's really just the Titans running out the clock and ending the game after the Broncos couldn't catch their, couldn't get their onside kick after their late score. So that's my prediction. We'll see. I like your prediction as well. I hope it's like that. I'll be a lot less stressed. I'll tell you that right now. So we'll see which one of us is closer. We'll kind of, I don't know if you, how you feel about this. I'm springing this on you. Have you want to, we want to keep kind of a running tally. And I think that since we're both predicting a win, the only way we can really truly judge a win versus a loss in our prediction here is the score see who's closer as far as differential and then points scored and kind of keep track of that. I'll, we'll, we'll, we'll see how we can graph that and maybe keep a running uh, total for the listeners. I'm all about some accountability. So. <laughs> That's perfectly fine with me. Now I actually have to remember without having to go back and listen to this, that I said 24 to 20 Titans are going to win. And you said 31 to 17, the Broncos were going to lose. See how I twisted you there? Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> I was ready to jump. Perfect. Well, that is going to do it for our week one. And just moving forward, our this is kind of what our in-season content is going to be look about. We'll, we'll talk about big news that is affecting the Titans that week. Um, hopefully, we don't have to have a whole lot of injuries, but if there are, we can talk about replacements, how they're going to be utilized. We're also going to review the week before that just happened, and then we're going to look at what's coming up for the Titans. So I'm excited to get into it. I'm glad the season's finally here, that we're talking about this kind of stuff and not how coaches prepare for COVID. Although there will be some of that as we go. Can we just do a weekly clowny breakdown segment? That'd be, I, I mean, I'm all for it. We can talk about his big moments now, but to that point, we will point out the big moments for the week and break them down and really talk about the keys to the win or the keys to the game or where it was the most effective. So I'm excited about it. I hope y'all are too out there listening. But once again, this has been the Coach's Corner, part of the Broadway Sports Network. Remember to be sure and check out all the other podcasts, articles, and video breakdowns that Broadway Sports has to offer at broadwaysportsmedia.com and on Twitter at BroadwayTN. Remember, before I leave this closing segment, to remember to go and sign up at broadwaysportsmedia.com using the code CLOWNTOWN before Thursday kickoff for 30% off a premium membership for life. Make sure you're also following your host, JB, at uh, Jonathan at JB on Broad, me, Ryan on Broadway, and the show at Coaches on Broad. Be sure to subscribe and rate five stars before closing out of your app. But until next time, we out. See ya. <laughs>